everybody! Welcome to College Hoops Chat on February 13th, 2023. I'm your host, Jim Maceno. This is your weekly college basketball radio show right here on WVOX, 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thank you for tuning in, and thanks for being part of our show. And we have a terrific show tonight. Let me tell you, starting at about 8.15, we have Blake Lovell, who is the managing editor of Southeastern 14, which is a a really terrific kind of video website uh, that does videos about all sports, uh, in particular football and basketball for the Southeastern Conference, the SEC Conference. It's a conference that we haven't covered as much as we have in the last two years, so I was glad to get Blake to come on the show and talk about the SEC where you have right now the number one team in America, Alabama. According to the AP poll, Alabama's number one. So we'll talk about, about Alabama with Blake and the rest of the SEC. After that, 8.30, we have our friend Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com. He does a podcast as well about Iona basketball. He's going to talk about Iona with us, but not just that, but also the MAC conference tournament. It's coming only coming in about the three weeks, we'll be watching the MAC tournament, which will be so critically important for the Iona University Gales to make the NCAA tournament. As we know, last year they went in as the top seed. They looked like clearly the best team, and then they lost to Ryder, but then uh, Ryder didn't win either. St. Peter's won and went on that run, historic run in the NCAA tournament. So Iona's got to win the MAC tournament to go to the NCAA tournament tournament. So we'll see how that all plays out, but we'll talk about it as a, as a preview with our friend Guy Filatico from IonaHoops.com. Then we're going to have Kenny from Rye. going to call in. We're going to talk a little Big Ten, the great Big Ten conference. Conference with the entire middle of the conference is like tied with the same record. It's incredibly close to Big Ten. There's a lot of great basketball teams, and we'll talk about that with Kenny from Rye. And then a special guest uh, coming in, Daryl Trujillo. He wants to talk about the WAC conference. He's involved with the WAC's Hoops Digest, and um, we haven't talked about the WAC Conference this year. We talked about other schools on the West Coast, but there's a great team out there, Utah Valley. We'll ask Daryl about them, but sadly, we're also going to talk about New Mexico State that is in the midst of its second scandal of the season, such a severe scandal that the chancellor of New Mexico State shut down the men's basketball team. Yes, folks, that actually happened. New Mexico State is not going to play any more games this year. We'll talk about that with guest Daryl Trujillo from the WAC Hoops Digest. All right, so this week I got some games to go to. I didn't really go to any games last week because Iona was up in Buffalo, which we'll talk about with Guy Filatico. This Wednesday night for my birthday, yes, Wednesday's my birthday, turning 60, I'm getting old. I'm going to be going to the St. Bonaventure at Fordham game over at Fordham University. Uh, in the Bronx, attended St. Bonaventure, so I'm a fan and looking forward to that game, which should be, should be a very close game. Two good teams in the Atlantic 10 Conference. That's Wednesday night, then going out to dinner on in Arthur Avenue after that, which should be fun. And then Friday night, we got Manhattan, a uh, longtime rival of Iona's, coming in to play against Iona in the Rochelle on Friday night, and that should be fun as well. So I mentioned three weeks we'll be watching the MAC tournament, but also, let me put it in perspective, yesterday was four weeks to Selection Sunday. You know what happens on Selection Sunday? We get told who are the 68 teams in our bracket. And then four weeks from today, we'll all be staring at a bracket with 68 teams trying to figure out uh, who to predict is going to go to the next round. 
I know, I stare at that bracket for days. I think I know a lot about college basketball. I do a radio show about it, and I work really hard to have a great bracket. And then usually by Friday, the second day of the first round of the tournament, uh, I have all these uh, mistakes and uh, incorrect picks, and I'm very depressed. But I'm always very excited on Wednesday. Four weeks from today, you'll be holding your NCAA bracket and entering to deep thought about which teams you think will win games in the NCAA tournament. And as we all know, every year on those first two days, the Thursday and Friday, first round of the tournament, there's going to be some Cinderella stories. And if you could pick those as a bracketeer, trying to figure out when you're doing your bracket, if you could pick the Cinderella's, you'd do really well, particularly if you bet some money on your bracket and you might be able to win. Uh, it's always hard, though, to predict the Cinderella's, as hard as I try every single year. Okay, so this uh, weekend on Saturday, I watched a ton of college basketball. Pretty much the entire uh, Saturday was basketball. I uh, First game I watched, and I got to give a little shout out because it has not been a great season for the St. John's Red Storm. And uh, they got a really nice win on Saturday. Now they beat Kenny from Rye's team, the Providence Friars, and Kenny from Rye wasn't happy. It was 73-58. But I, I really got to give uh, St. John's credit. It does look like their season is kind of over, at least for making the NCAA tournament, unless they could win the Big East tournament. But, you know, St. John's is kind of in a bad place. They lost a lot of games. It kind of fell towards the bottom of the Big East. But then they go home game on Saturday at Madison Square Garden. They played really well. Their defense was disruptive all game. But in particular, they were really aggressive around the rim, blocking shots, deflecting shots. I mean, they gave uh, Providence a really hard time in the paint. And I was impressed with that. They had a lot of heart. I give St. John's credit. In, a, in a, what's really a tough season, there's even some questions whether their coach will survive. Uh, into next year. Uh, they played really hard and they really fought hard to get that 73-68 win over a very good Providence team, which we've talked a lot about on the show. And by the way, St. John's has an, a really good freshman. I don't know if you know this, but A.J. Storr is a really good player. And if you watch St. John's, focus on him. He can shoot, he can play defense. He's a really good all-around player as a freshman and he plays a pretty mature game. I'm, I'm very impressed with A.J. Storr, not just against Providence on Saturday, uh, but for a while now. All right, and the other two games, uh, before we talk to our guest, I watched on Saturday, I watched North Carolina Tar Heels finally get their act together after losing three in a row. They really played great team basketball. They beat Clemson, who was pretty highly ranked in the ACC, although a lot of people doubt what exactly Clemson is. But I, I enjoyed watching a team I root for, North Carolina Tar Heels, play some really terrific basketball and blow Clemson out at the Dean Dome in Chapel Hill. So I was happy about that too. And I watched Creighton in Connecticut, which was a great college basketball game. Hope you caught that. It was a really good game. All right, I believe on the line, we have our caller who we're very excited to chat with today. Blake Lovell from Southeastern 14. Are you there? Hey Jim, how are you? Hey, thank you so much for calling. We are, just so you know, to prepare for the show, I watched your SEC power ratings, which I think you just recorded in the last day. Yes, uh, very interesting in the league this season, of course. Uh, I think there's a clear number one at the top in Alabama. Everything else is a bit of a mixed bag. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, that's just kind of the state of the SEC this season. Now, let's just take a minute. You have a website. You do a lot of YouTube videos. You're very active on Twitter. Just take a, a second. Tell everybody about uh, your role in uh, covering college basketball. I know you cover all, all sports for the SEC, but talk about college basketball. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Like you said, uh, certainly cover a lot of SEC stuff at uh, southeastern14.com. That uh, all sorts of stuff. Obviously, a lot of basketball this time of year, and 
Um, you know, also do some stuff for the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. So I've been an editor there for the past several years. So, yeah, you can find all that there, and you can follow me on Twitter uh, at the Blake level. All right, folks, so I watched the video today they did on the SEC Power Ratings. It was uh, fun to watch. They did a really good job. So uh, check out Southeastern 14 for sure. Okay, let's take one minute because we can't do more than that. So we'll start with that. Um, my son is a South Carolina Gamecock, which is really great if you like women's college basketball, and I do, so I enjoy watching the women. They blew out uh, LSU yesterday. But on the men's side, new coach. Uh, it's been a really rough first season for the new coach. He didn't really do great in the portal, but I do have hope in the coach. They did get a nice win this weekend. Give us a quick, make me feel better about the South Carolina Gamecocks men's team. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's not exactly easy to do, but I think if you want to find some uh, optimism, they have certainly played a lot better over the past couple weeks. And like you said, just a team that I think came into the season pretty clear they were going to be the bottom team in the SEC, um, just based on you know taking over. It's a tough situation in terms of not having a lot on the roster and having to kind of rebuild it pretty quickly. Uh, but Lamont Paris, I think, is, has done a good job of, of really, you know, at least getting his team to, to buy into what they want to do long term. And, and I know they've lost some games this season, but, you know, they were a two point loss at home to Arkansas, um, you know, won at Ole Miss on Saturday, played well at Missouri. Uh, so I think that they're, you know, it's one of those situations where anytime you're, you're losing a lot of games, which they have, um, it could easily go the wrong direction. But uh, they're playing better. They certainly haven't thrown in the towel by any means, and um, they've actually got two winnable games coming up here this week, so uh, perhaps things will give them a little momentum there heading into the final stretch run. All right, and one last question on the Gamecocks. They have a freshman star in G.G. Jackson. Any chance he comes back for sophomore year, or is he definitely heading to the NBA? Well, I mean, I think it's been, you know, this season it's been pretty clear that, that he's kind of had to, to be the guy, and, and I think just based on putting up the numbers he's put up, um, and, you know, just kind of understanding probably his future. I would, I would guess that's where he winds up going uh, there. And, um, again, I mean, you kind of look at someone who is reclassified too. And so um, I just think his, you know, his skill set and also probably for him sort of looking at the potential of coming back to a team that may be rebuilding again uh, next season. So uh, I, I think he is someone you're going to look at, you know, if you're looking at sort of where, projections are with the draft and those kind of things. I know they've kind of varied, especially once you get to this time of year, but um, you know, he is someone I think you're going to see very highly in the draft, so I don't think there's any way he comes back. Okay, so let's jump into the overall SEC basketball. So I've been following it pretty closely since my son does go to South Carolina. I've watched uh, a ton of games this year, but obviously like everybody, massively impressed with Alabama. Uh, interesting though, that is Good as the level of basketball has been at points this season in the SEC, when I looked at the AP rankings today, there were only two teams in the top 25 from the SEC, Alabama and Tennessee. How about that? Yeah, it's um, it's a top-heavy league, and those are about the only two teams that seem to kind of stand there based on the overall body of work. And, um, you know, I just think you kind of look at it again. It, it, it's sort of been that way, I feel like, for a month now, and even Tennessee, as we've seen recently, Lost back-to-back games uh, in buzzer-beater fashion to Vanderbilt and Missouri, but um, you know it's pretty much all seasons in those teams. And of course, Alabama's way ahead, I think, of everybody else at this point based on how they're playing. But you know, I think it's you know look at a team like Texas A&M, who is ten and two in the SEC. They didn't have a great non-conference, so that's why they're not ranked. Um, Missouri, kind of another team, I think that's right there. I think Missouri actually would probably be ranked if, if I was doing my one through twenty-five right now, but. 
Um, you know, they're another team that, that certainly has exceeded expectations uh, in Dennis Gates' first season there. But, you know, you think about the teams that have been disappointing. Kentucky's been disappointing. Um, I think even Auburn, Arkansas at times have been disappointing. Florida's been disappointing. I mean, that, there's just been a lot of disappointing teams in the league uh, this season. So, yeah, it, it's kind of one of those years where, you know, at best you're probably getting five or six teams into the tournament, and most of those teams are bubble range type teams. Um, but, yeah, that's just kind of the way it's fallen this season for the league. So I have to ask the question. I imagine if you went on any show around the country, they're going to ask you this question, and that is, number one, what is wrong with Kentucky? And number two, Kentucky get their act together and make a run for the tournament. Well, I think, boy, there's, there's quite a few things wrong with Kentucky. It just seems like this season in big games, uh, they have just had trouble putting it all together. I mean, they've done it, you know, I, I would say twice, and that would be the game they won at Tennessee, which after they lost at home to South Carolina the game before, uh, and then they beat Texas A&M at home. I think those are the two big games they really showed up in and, and found ways to win. But every all the, all the others, they just have not been able to get there. And now they're losing games. Again, you lose to South Carolina. You lose on the road to Georgia. Um, and so now they're sitting here. I think they're 16-9, and 7-5 and five in the league. And if you just look at the way they're playing, which their offense is still a problem, their defense is slipping, um, it's just all not really working out well for Kentucky right now. They've had some injury issues. Uh, but I just you look at their remaining schedule. They got a lot of tough games left. They still got to go to Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Florida. They still got to play Tennessee and Auburn at home. Uh, even Vanderbilt is a, a team that's on a three-game winning streak right now. That doesn't look easy, easy anymore. So right now, if I had to make a pick, I just I don't think you could rely and confidently say Kentucky's getting into the tournament because they're not playing well. And I think they're going to have to go at least probably maybe three and three, four and two the rest of the way. And if the way they're playing, I don't see them getting there with their schedule. Right. So yeah, I was thinking the same. I, I think I think they got to win twenty uh, to get into the big yeah. dance. But you know, they also might win a game uh, or two even right in this SEC tournament. That might help them a little bit. But you're right. I mean, uh, if they go two and four in these final six, they're not going to the NCAA tournament. So they're going to have to win at least three, probably four. And like you said. Uh, Mississippi State on the road is not easy. Tennessee at home is not easy. Um, you got Auburn in there, still also fighting to make the tournament. And then you got a better playing Vanderbilt and Arkansas. It's going to be tough for Kentucky. So, what do you think the impact there is on Calipari on kind of having you know two or three seasons in a row where things haven't gone right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Kentucky fans are frustrated. As you know, it's just that this is not what they what they want. I mean, they, this is still a program that. Even this landscape, as we know, teams change every year because of the transfer portal and such, but they just have not gotten where they want to go, and, and that is to get to the Final Four every year to give yourself a chance to win a national championship. And, of course, when you consider that they haven't gotten to the Final Four since 2015, that's a long time for any program. Uh, but, you know, for Kentucky, that feels like decades. And so I think you look at it from this standpoint, the one thing John Calipari has to lean on right now with all the frustration, especially if they don't make the tournament, the frustration is going to be as high as it's been probably ever since he's been there. He's got a recruiting class coming in next season that is, even by Kentucky standards, um, one of the best they've ever had, if not maybe the best they've ever had. When you just look at their recruiting class they put together um, now, Kentucky fans would say, well, how are we supposed to be confident he's going to be able to put it all together, even with a class that good? Because now we're seeing in recent years, even with top classes, he's not been able to kind of get us uh, where we want to go. So it's a fair question, I think, without without a doubt. But um, if they don't make the tournament, I think this conversation gets a lot more interesting, which, of course, 
Cal basically has a, life, has a lifetime contract there, so that makes it a lot more complicated on Kentucky's side. Uh, but the, the fan frustration has not been higher. It'll get even higher, though, if they don't make the tournament. I agree. Totally agree. I mean, I'm on Twitter like you are. That's where we met. And I know that the Big Blue Nation is very loud on Twitter, and they'll be louder if they don't make the NCAA tournament. That's for sure. All right, let's go to a happy team. All right, so if you're not only happy in football normally with Alabama, now they're happy with basketball. They've won 13 of their last 14. They've won every single game in the SEC so far this year. That's Alabama Crimson Tide. What a terrific basketball team, number one in the nation. You know, about two weeks ago, I don't think I would have said this, I now see that team as certainly a very good chance to win it all this year. Yeah, they do. I mean, they are a team, I think, that just has everything you need to, to win a national championship. And like you said, we're not talking about football. We're talking about basketball. Like, that is what Nate Oates has put together there. And obviously, you know, a guy that was in Buffalo and, and did such a great job. And now you've just seen him use some of that similar model just from the style of play and now to bring that to Alabama these past several years and how he's been able to get guys that want to play in that type of style and what he's done with this team, he's gotten this team to buy in on the defensive end of the floor. Last year's team had a lot of upside, but they did not buy in on the defensive end of the floor. This team absolutely is, and that's why they're the number one team in the country. It's fun to talk about the offense, and certainly it's fun to talk about Brandon Miller, who's one of the best players in the country, but Alabama's winning games with how good they are defensively, and like you said, they're 12-0 and now in the SEC. They haven't given up more than 69 points in an SEC game. You combine those two together, I don't think we've seen that in the SEC since like 1970 or something like that. So what they're doing is, you know, historical in that context. Like they are having a season to this point um, that very few teams in history are going to be able to match. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I think they're the deepest team, not just in the SEC. They might be top three in terms of deepest teams in the country. Um, they've got a playmaker in Brandon Miller who can just do it all, and he's got a lot of help around him. So, yeah, Alabama, very um, – I don't think anyone could argue why they're the number one team in the country right now. And at this moment, could be the favorite to win it all. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Brandon Miller is terrific. He's uh, the best freshman I've seen this year. He's uh, a joy to watch play basketball. So that's uh, pretty awesome. And uh, they also – the other point I want to kind of add to everything you just said is that they, they have this historic, explosive – fantastic team that's a, a ton of fresh freshmen in the rotation. I mean, that's that's even more unbelievable, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, something else to, to add on to that, I think the fact is they are playing so many different young guys in the rotation, yet nothing really phases this team. Like, uh, they're just kind of, when you see them get, I mean, you know, take the Auburn game, for example. Um, Auburn's pretty much leading that entire game. and You're just wondering, is Alabama ever going to make that run? They stayed poised. Auburn would get up by six or eight or something. You're like, all right, maybe this is where they're going to push it out. But we've seen that play out a lot this season, where when they find themselves in those situations, they're able to kind of withstand it. Go back to the game they won at Houston. It was kind of a similar scenario, where they're down 15 in the second half on the road at Houston. But nothing phased them to stop them from coming back and winning that game. And I think that's what's even more impressive. It's a mature group in terms of how they play on the floor, uh, even with a lot of underclassmen. All right, listeners, uh, when you do your bracket, make sure you have Alabama winning a lot of games. All right, let's talk about the big dance. Let's talk about March Madness. I've got five teams as of today. Of course, we have a, you know a four weeks left, but I have um, Alabama, of course, Tennessee, of course, and the other three I have in the tournament is Missouri, Arkansas, and Auburn. How about you? Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I think A&M is certainly getting there just based on the fact that they are 10-2 and in the league right now, but of course we know um, their non-conference was not great. But if they can continue this trend, 
Um, again, if they you know they win 13 or something games in the league, it's it's going to be impossible to keep them out, especially since they have a tough schedule the rest of the way. But I think it, you know those five right now are pretty solid in terms of being in at this moment. But like we talked about earlier, you know there are still teams there that can play their way out of this thing if they struggle down the stretch, and that's kind of where the SEC is this year. But I, I think I have a little more confidence in A and M getting there because they have had such a strong start uh, to league play now. I mean, like I said, six games to go, they're ten and two. Um, so I think they will find their way into that conversation um, firmly, maybe not, but I think they're going to be there. Um, and then again, I wouldn't be shocked if one of these teams, like you mentioned, beyond Alabama and Tennessee, maybe one of these teams play their way out of this thing just because they have a tough schedule down the stretch. But you know, Auburn. teams like Kentucky, Florida, yeah, Auburn's the team. That's a good point. Like I think Auburn needs, I think this Missouri game uh, on Tuesday night, Auburn and Missouri, that's a huge game for Auburn because they need that quality win. Uh, and they still got to go to Kentucky. They still got to go to Vanderbilt. They still got to go to Alabama um, and play Tennessee again. So it's not an easy schedule for Auburn. They're the team to keep an eye on. I uh, have a lot of confidence in Bruce Pearl getting his team motivated, but they got a tough stretch here to finish the season. I agree. Two quick points. Number one, I think Missouri has done a great job this year. I'm impressed with their rookie coach, and I think that team has a bright future. Arkansas, you know, they can be great at moments. They're a scary team if they get in the tournament because sometimes they play great, other times they don't. Yeah, I mean, look, Arkansas getting Nick Smith back. We all know the name. He's probably going to be a top five, seven pick in the NBA draft. Um, that's a huge boost to this Arkansas team that really, you know, for us, I think has finally gotten his offensive kind of horse back, and, and now he can get some guys around him going. So, Blake, this was great. You know, all season I wanted to get somebody to call in and talk about the SEC, and not only did you do it, but you did it fan like fantastic way. So I'm glad I met you on Twitter and uh, I hope in the future you'll be our SEC guy because you did a great job tonight. So I appreciate it, Jim. Anytime you see me, let me know. Thanks so much, Blake Lovell, Southeastern 14. Thank you so much, Blake. All right, folks, we're going to our commercial break, and then we'll be back with Guy Palatico after the commercials. We love that basket. Bye. All right, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Misano. This is WVOX 1460 AM. And I now have on the line one of our friends of the show from the first show till today. He's been a friend of the show, Guy Filatico from IonaHoops.com. How are you doing, Guy? I'm doing good, Jim. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Well, I listened to your podcast to prepare for the show, just so you know, you got one. He got one hit today, earlier today. Thought you'd like to know that. <laughs> That's about right. So you're the one. <laughs> I'm the one. I'm sure you got hundreds. Uh, you do a great job, and uh, uh, helping you cover Iona College has been fun for me. All right, I, I said Iona College, though. I should be saying Iona University. True. Have you made that mistake on your podcast? I don't know if I have. I, nobody's called me on it yet, so maybe I've been pretty good. All right, good. Well, I'm sure you. Uh, it is your. You know, you did attend Iona. You are a graduate of. Iona University. All right. Great weekend, Guy, right? I mean, we know the Gales go up to Buffalo, and most times when they go up to Buffalo, no matter how good they are, they stub their toe on one of those two games, either Canisius or Niagara. So what I thought Thursday uh, before the, the weekend games against Canisius and Niagara, just win both games and I'll be happy. I don't even care if you play great. Just get the two wins. And, of course, not only did they play really well, but they got the two wins. Well, you know, they stumbled quite a, quite their way through January, and everybody was kind of wondering what happened. And then they started to win a couple games, and it's like, are they back? And this was kind of like the test weekend to find out if they really were, and they passed with flying colors. 
They really did. And uh, both games, uh, Canisius, you know, they pretty much blew Canisius out. I mean, it was 80 to 59, but Iona completely dominated that game uh, all the way through. And then Niagara, you know, Niagara a couple times tried to make a run. They tried to get close. I, they, I think they got down to 11 at one point. They did fight Niagara. Niagara's a pretty good team. I could see them winning a game in the MAC tournament. But at the end of the day, it was 72-55, another strong win for Iona. So uh, Walter uh, was a, a amazing, just a Walter Clayton, amazing. You know, he had 17 points against Niagara. Uh, he's a terrific player. You know, it's been funny this year. Iona fans have been kind of going back and forth about who the Mac player of the year is. For a while, it was Dennis Jenkins. Then it was Nelly Jr. Joseph. Now, I think people are starting to think it's Walter Clayton. They saw how much that without Walter, the team really struggled when they were when they didn't have him or if he wasn't playing at full strength. Now he's back. He's healthy, and you see how much better the team is. In my opinion, Walter Clayton is the Mac player of the year. A great point. And I said he had... Uh, 70 points. That was only in the first half against Niagara. He ended with 30 <laughs> points, the most points in his career. Uh, that was yep. pretty awesome. He had 19 against Canisius. He is playing great, and he certainly sh is uh, in the conversation for MAC Player of the Year. All right, Guy, before we get into the tournament, uh, I just want to give you my take on Iona and see what you think. Um, sure. I feel good about uh, this this run they just had uh, with Mount St. Mary's, Fairfield, Canisius, Niagara. Now they have another three games where I'm hoping they could continue the run. Uh, Manhattan on Friday night, St. Peter's on Sunday, and then the following Friday, Mount St. Mary's. Those are three winnable games. I feel like I only can get those three games. They can get their record up to 21-7 and seven because those final three games, they got two tough ones, Siena, Marist, and Ryder. I want us to roll into those final three games playing our best basketball. Yeah, and you know what? You know, Mac life on the road is tricky, and two of those three games you mentioned coming up are road games, so you can't take them for granted. But yeah, those are all three games Iona should win. You have to have momentum going into that game against Siena at home. They'll be favored to beat Siena at home, even though Siena's been uh, playing well, and of course they blew out Iona up in Albany. Uh, but yeah, it's all building toward that last regular season game at Ryder for what could be the regular season championship. I agree. All right, so regular season championship leads into the tournament. So explain to everybody, while it looks like Iona is safe now, but you, uh, you have to be very careful with the MAC tournament because you, if you finish in the bottom six teams, you have to play on Tuesday, right? That's like uh, if you're finishing the top five, you get a bye on the first night of the tournament, right? That's right. So, yeah, top five, you get an advantage, but I'll take that a step further. The, first, the top two spots, you actually get even more of an advantage. Now, of course, if, you're the one, if you finish first and you're the one seed, you do have that cushion of the NIT bid. I don't think Iona fans really care about the NIT, but I figured I'd say that. Um, but the other advantage of being the one or the two seed is that you then play, so like you said, that play-in round with the, with the bottom six teams is Tuesday the 7th. Um, then the next day, the one and two seeds would actually play their play-in round winners, which is an advantage because that means the team played the night before. Whereas if you're the three seed, that 6-11 winner actually gets a day off before you face them on Thursday. Uh, so there's an advantage there. And, then of course, uh, then, you know, there's a difference of playing who you play the next day after that as well. Um, you know, the 4-5 or five seed would also play that Thursday, and then the semis would be Friday. So the, the, the one and two seed actually, after the quarterfinal, get a day to rest before the semis. So there's a huge difference between, between being the one or two seed in this, in this tournament. I see what you're saying. That's why we have to have you on this show, Guy Falatico, because you know uh, the MAC tournament as well as anybody. So Iona's really got to finish in the top two, so they got to beat out either Sienna or Ryder. So winning one of those two final games would kind of lock that up. Yeah, I mean, right now, again, they're tied with Ryder in the standings. Ryder did win the first meeting at Iona. 
So Iona really needs to go. If Iona's going to finish first, they're actually going to need to be probably two games up on Ryder going into the regular season finale because if, if even if they're one game up, uh, if Ryder wins that and the team's ends in a tie, Ryder will have swept the season series and will finish first. So Iona not only needs to get a, get a lead on Ryder going into that last game, they need to be up by two games if they're going to clinch the, reg- the one seed. I agree, but, but they're still okay if they got the two seed, right? they got to have the one or the two. The two seed is good, and of course, anybody who's followed the MAC, and I know you have for years, the one seeds have a history of not winning the tournament. Yes, so yes. it's not a crime if Iona only finished second because one, we don't care about the NIT. Uh, so I, you know, just just the extra fuel, I think, of finishing second, I think, would be something uh, I would actually feel better about our chances finishing second than first, I'm just fine because with of the history. Based on your description, yeah, I agree. Based on your description, I'll take one or two. I'm fine, but yeah. I guess the fact is, if they run the final six games. They probably end up with the one. Is that what you think? Oh, yeah. All three of those teams, Iona, I mean, Siena's only half game behind them. So Iona, Ryder, and Siena, if any of those teams were to win out, they would finish first. And we know, you know, there's obviously, they all play each other still, too. So uh, that's why I can say that pretty, pretty matter-of-factly. But, yeah, Iona would need a cushion, though, I think, to, to make sure that they would be able to seal the one over Ryder. Okay, so you follow the MAC better uh, than most people on this earth. So, um we know what Iona is. People follow my show or listen to your podcast. They know Iona. When you talk about Sienna and Ryder, who do you think is better? Hmm. It's a tough call. I'd say they're pretty close to even. I think Iona has a higher ceiling than both those teams in terms of what their A-game looks like. But Sienna and Ryder both have two things in common. One, they have guys who make plays. And two, they, they, they have guys who make free throws. Both of those make a huge difference in that tight, grinded kind of a tournament setting. I can see either one of those teams winning the tournament if Iona doesn't. Okay, next question. So I think we all think right now it's likely winning the MAC tournament, going to the NCAA tournament, will be Iona or Ryder or Siena. Who's a dark Agreed. horse that you think, you never know, if someone's going to make a run like St. Peter's last year, who's it this year? Well, I, don't, I think it would be somebody who would finish either fourth or fifth. Um, and right now that feels like it's going to be either Niagara or Quinnipiac. Those are the two teams that look like they're going to be in that 4-5 or five game right now, unless Manhattan gets hot, which I don't know if they have the right schedule to, to get out of that playing round. Um, I think Quinnipiac has probably proven to have a higher ceiling than Niagara has, so I would say if there is going to be a and I wouldn't you know if it's fair to call them a dark horse, but somebody besides those three, either I would say I would say Quinnipiac probably has the best shot. Yeah, Quinnipiac came out like uh, uh, like great. They started the season very strong, and even in the uh, MAC, they were playing well. But they've been very inconsistent. That's what I see with Quinnipiac. Yeah, and here's the thing. See, so uh, Iona and 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 Sienna both had one thing in common, and that's that their struggles are used, have been due to injuries. Quinnipiac hasn't been injured. They're just not playing as well. Right. Maybe they peaked early, or maybe they're just getting it out of their system and they're going to peak again in time for the end of the season. It's hard to say. Or maybe people figured them out. Who knows? Um, and for Ryder, again, I think they've been very steady. They don't blow you out, but they win games. And and so I, I that's why I like them, too. And, um, yeah, I mean, whoever's healthy certainly is going to have an edge. Uh, Iona's getting there, but, you know, uh, it's hard to say. You never know. Uh, Sienna is also now just starting it healthy and playing better as a result. I agree. All right, Guy, as usual, great job. Thank you so much. We have our next call. I'll leave you with this thought. You and I thought last year Iona peaked too early. I think maybe we can peak now this year over these next six games and go right into the tournament. How does that sound to you? I think it makes sense. I mean, we're not, we still haven't played our best ball yet, I don't think. So I, I, I like what you're saying there, and I agree with you. Guy Falatico, keep up the great work. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right, thank you, Guy Falatico, from Iona Hoops. 
Facebook.com, a great friend of the show. All right, we have Kenny from Rye on the line. Kenny from Rye, are you there? Kenny, are you there? James, how we doing? We're doing great. How are you doing tonight? Good, good, good. I think we got a gr- our show is rolling here tonight. You do. I like the first guest. I like new callers. It's excellent to hear. It was, it was nice to hear, to hear him. him. He did a really good job. All right, we're going to talk about the Big Ten, so get, let's get right into it. First of all, I'll just say this about the Big Ten Conference. They have Purdue, who's clearly, at least in the regular season so far, the best team. But then they have a jumble between Indiana, Northwestern, Illinois, Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan State, Iowa, and Michigan. That's a lot of teams, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight teams. They're all eight and six or nine and five. Like second and third place are completely jumbled up in the Big Ten. Uh, they're all so close. Exactly. And I think one of the things is I'm looking at it, and I've kind of taken this from the last couple of years, that now in these Power Five conferences with a lot of the uh, mid-majors getting in, you, you have to get the 21 to 22 to get into the NCAA. So these games at the end of the year, get, you get tighter and tighter and tighter. And I think that's interesting. Somewhat mathematically, we've talked about this before, when you're in that 14, 15, 16 range of wins at this time of the year, you are in the desperate camp. You, you've got to win the majority of your games to, to, to give yourself a, you know, a good chance of getting into the NCAs. I agree. So uh, our friend Rocco uh, Miller, who's been on the show, he um, has a great website uh, on, on the bracket, predicting the bracket. He's got um, right now, uh, one, two, he's got nine teams uh, in the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten, although I think he's now dropped Wisconsin, so it's eight. So that would be Purdue, Northwestern, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan State. That sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty rich. I mean, from a standpoint, I mean, I know they, they love to put the Big Ten in there because of the numbers and the viewing. But from a standpoint of uh, some of those teams on the bubble, and as you mentioned, I, I think Michigan State, because of who they are, they're always going to get in if they get 20-plus. Um, Iowa's obviously the Rutgers has had some good wins. Um, and I agree with the kind of the guarantees of Purdue, Iowa, Northwestern, Illinois, and Maryland. Right. All right. That's our commercial break, Kenny from Rye. So hold on on the commercial break, and we'll jump back in the Big Ten when we get back. Sounds good. All right, Kenny from Rye, great job as always. We're talking Big Ten now. Uh, commercial break. I'm Jim Masano. This is Kyle Chupchat. We'll be right back. We love that basketball. Okay, folks, we are back on Kyle Chupchat. I'm Jim Masano, and on the line is our number one caller, Kenny from Rye. Kenny, are you there? James, how we doing? Good. So Kenny and I are in a chat group of our friends from high school. Someone asked us to mention how Northwestern beat Purdue yesterday. So let's talk about Northwestern. They may be the hottest team uh, in the Big Ten. Not only did they beat Purdue yesterday, the number one team in the nation, huge win for Northwestern, but they also on Thursday beat Ohio State and kind of probably knocked Ohio State kind of out of the NCAA tournament uh, picture. So Northwestern is really hot. And Kenny from Rice son, went to Northwestern. What say you, Kenny, from Rye? Yeah, I mean, Collins has done a great job this year. It's interesting. It goes back to the point kind of uh, of the transfer portal. Everybody had him losing two of his key players, which obviously on the, on, the numer- on the numbers basis didn't look good, but from a standpoint, kind of addition by subtraction. So what he's got this year is people that have been on the team stepping up and, and really, really playing very, very well. So he's gone from a team that was 
kind of put to the side to all of a sudden one of the hottest teams in the country. And our friend John Rothstein even has Chris Collins <clears throat> has him as the coach of the year if he gets into the tournament. So we'll have to see what they're doing, but it was a great win for them, a great win for the school. You, know, you obviously saw the surge onto the court and everything else. So, you know, it was all good good for the Northwestern Wildcats. The other thing I noticed, which plays into uh, Collins doing a great job as the coach, is that they played Zach E.D. better than anyone else. They, they figured a way to keep him away from the rim. They kind of pushed him out. Outside his range, where he's more effective, uh, it was a very smart coaching strategy. I guess they double teamed him differently than other teams have. Yeah, the one unfortunate thing is I didn't see enough of it. I just saw too much highlights because I was swept up to the Super Bowl. But from a perspective of what they talked about, was and I guess this is somewhat of produced weaknesses that they they got after them on the offensive glass. So the second chance opportunities were taken away, and again, you know, Northwestern controlled the tempo of the game, and as you say. Zach Eady is a projected player of the year. So you, you take him out of it, that changes things significantly for Purdue. It does. All right. Another team I like, seen them say, play several times this year. Uh, obviously, they're ridiculously good at home, not as good on the road. But they have a great team, and they have a great player in Trace Jackson Davis, uh, and that's Indiana. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to some of the bracketologists today from a perspective of I've seen a little bit of Indiana on and off, but I, I like Mike Woodson, always have. People think they're underestimated. For some reason, they aren't getting the respect that they deserve, supposedly. I know um, Andy Katz, who's a bracketologist, has got them you know, they, where they should be in the top ten at a minimum. Um, you know, Obviously, with their record right now, the games they played and the wins they have, they're a lock for the NCAA. So I think they've got to put them in, in the kind of dangerous category. And I'll be interested to see what Ken, Ken Palm puts them into going into the second round and, you know, the final eight, final four situation. All right, we have our next call, Ken. Let me just point out one more thing. I'm still pulling for Rutgers. I like the team. They play great defense. They're well coached. They're from the Northeast. So I, I kind of push for Rutgers a little. They've fallen back a little in the last week. I'm hoping they can kind of get their act together, make a run uh, into the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I mean, they've got some good early wins. I think that's helpful. But again, like we've talked about, someone like St. John's the other night, when you paint these teams into a corner, they come out hungry. And so we'll have to see what Rutgers done over the next six, seven games. Great job, Kenny from Rye. Talk to you soon. All right, James. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm going to the game, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday with Kenny from Rye to see St. Bonaventure and Fordham. All right, let's go to our next call because we have our friend calling in uh, from the WAC Conference, Daryl Trujillo. Daryl, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Well, thank you so much for uh, contacting me today to call in. Why don't we talk the good news first? Uh, you got a great team in the WAC Conference, Utah Valley. They're 20 and 6, 11 and 2 in the conference. Uh, are you feeling like that's a team if they get in the tournament? Can win a couple of games, maybe Sweet 16. They're that good? Yeah, definitely. Um, the Wolverines have definitely done their job at home. Um, the WAC is a competitive, sickle animal, though, and there's still three and a half weeks, almost four weeks, until WAC Vegas to decide that regular season race. But the Wolverines are in a really good spot to uh, win the regular season title and uh, earn that one seat out of the, the WAC resume seeding system. Right, so I was taking a look at the WAC to prepare for our call. Uh, there's, like... Um, there's definitely six really good teams. Utah Valley, Seattle, Southern Utah, Sam Houston, Stephen Austin, and Grand Canyon. So I guess your champion will come from those six teams. Uh, besides Utah Valley, which clearly is kind of head above uh, above everyone for now, which team do you think is a threat to Utah Valley? I mean, I, I think you could pick any one of that group. Stephen F., um, Grand Canyon, Sam Houston had a couple of really nice P5 wins to start the year at. 
and then uh, kind of fizzled out in conference. Uh, Seattle started 7-0 and and then lost four straight. So whoever comes out of our conference tournament in Vegas is going to be very well prepared for the NCAA tournament, the NIT, whatever postseason tournament they enter. Right. All right. So let's do the bad news, unfortunately. Um, you have a team that's kind of something I haven't heard of. Uh, New Mexico State, you know, at one point a very strong program, a team that's been to the NCAA tournament. Um, they shut down the program uh, this weekend because uh, there's these horrible allegations uh, against some of the players, false imprisonment, criminal sexual contact, harassment, all related um, to hazing of players. Uh, this is like a really horrible story. Uh, yeah, it was. it's a really horrible story. Um, look at the Aggie program. You go from almost a year ago beating UConn in that 12-5 game in the first round to basically 11 months later the program being shuttered for the, the last three weeks, three and a half weeks of the regular season, and it was just announced by the Western Athletic Conference that those remaining games will result in forfeit wins for their opponents. Interesting. I was wondering what was going to happen to those games that are all going to be forfeit wins. Um, so, Nick, New Mexico State just got, like, the death penalty of sports. I mean, that program, the whole team will probably jump in the portal. You got guys possibly going to jail. Oh, what a disaster. Yeah, three guys have already have already announced their entry into the transfer portal over the weekend um, when they flew back from California. Like you said, expect several more to go, especially with the uncertainty surrounding head coach Greg Heyer and his staff, who are currently on paid administrative leave. The New Mexico State University Board of Regents is scheduled to meet tomorrow morning in closed session regarding a personnel matter, from what I've read in the Albuquerque and El Paso newspapers. And now we do not know if this is tied to the situation that um, developed over the weekend, but it's a, a pretty safe bet that it is, I would guess. So would you be shocked if the coach survived this? Yes. Uh, anything, in my experience, anytime the words paid administrative leave and hazing are in the same sentence, that's sayonara for the coach. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, he was actually an assistant coach under Greg Marshall at Wichita State uh, when that program imploded. He's he's certainly kind of like a bad luck charm in coaching. It certainly sounds that way. And I believe, I don't know if you heard that Goodman uh, Field of 68 video, but uh, Goodman said he was at the practice where G Greg Marshall punched a player, if I, I remember hearing Goodman correctly. Yes. And didn't do anything to stop it. Yeah, and I how agree. Did that get through, how did that get through the New Mexico State vetting process? Right. Is what I want to know. Well, let's just um, say this. Maybe New Mexico gets a new coach. Maybe these bad actors on the team, maybe they have to serve their debt to society. Maybe they get in the transfer portal that can rebuild that program because we don't want to see any program kind of just disappear. Uh, so let them, everybody get disciplined who should be disciplined, and maybe New Mexico State has a better day ahead. Yeah, it, and you know what the sad thing is? It's, this is New Mexico State's final year in the whack. Effective July 1, 2023, they're going to Conference USA. Oh, wow. Good scoop. Very good scoop. Listen, Daryl, I'm so glad you you contacted me today. I'm so glad you updated us on this mess at New Mexico State. But let's talk positively about the WAC conference that you cover. Utah Valley and these other good teams. Uh, you'll probably get to see some great basketball uh, over the next month. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, heck, we still got, like I said, three weeks of a really, really wild regular season race. And even on the women's side, we have a wild regular season race. All right, Daryl, keep in touch with me on Twitter, please. Let's keep talking about basketball. I'll help spread some around your whack stuff around on, on my Twitter, okay? 
All right. Have a good night. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. All right. We have one caller left, I believe, right? So let's go to the phone line. Is this John from Portchester? Jim, yes it is. How are you? I'm great and how happy are you that uh, Iona had such a great weekend up in the great city of Buffalo? Yes, yes. I'm smiling quite uh, definitely. And uh, uh, to to piggyback off of uh, your interview with Guy, which was excellent, a real impressive uh, weekend. I don't don't think we've swept that since 2016. Uh, Defensively, we give up 59 and 55 points in two games. You're going to win just about all those games where that happens. Uh, The the Canisius game winning by 31 and obviously a solid win versus a very hot Niagara team. The the MAC is so unpredictable, just like a lot of college uh, uh, conferences. But we win two games this weekend. Quinnipiac loses two games this weekend up in Buffalo. This is the same Quinnipiac team that crushed us by 23 points in January. So, uh, and they lose it by 20 points to the Griffs. Um, you, you made a great point. Niagara coming to the Iowa game had won 5-0. They're red hot. And Iowa beat them 72-55. Yes, yes. And what a performance by uh, Osborne Shema, by the way. Not Shema. Uh, with 16 points against uh, Kaninches. Uh, Walter Clayton with a great game against the Purple Eagles. Brookshire, uh, definitely off the bench. Uh, three, three pointers in 10 minutes. The only negative that I can think of is, uh. John, I gotta cut you off. They're cutting me off right now. Great call. See you at the next Iona game. You got it, Jim. All right. Bye bye. Bye, everybody. Jim Misato. See you next week.